everybody. <laughs> How many Game of Thrones spoilers am I allowed this episode? 16. And yeah. Ned Stark dying that, is that, one of them. Ned Stark dying is one of them. Sorry, it's not organic. It yeah, yeah. Okay, stop and record. I record that. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> We rec- we we did this bit before we started rec- we started recording and I just fucked it up so. Whatever. So do you want to try it again? Let's, let's start over. Gonna, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hey. Inside baseball. <laughs> Hi. This is some nerds of a podcast. This is some nerds of a podcast. <laughs> so how many uh, Game of Thrones spoilers am I allowed this week? Sixteen. <laughs> and Ed Stark dying is one of them. You've read all the books. You've read all of them. Yeah, he but, dies but, in the first season. I'm talking about for our listeners. Oh my god! If you don't fucking know that Ned Stark dies, <laughs> I. Are you even a human being that, that lives in America? That was our bit. I hope that that worked for you. I, all. That was probably not. Who the fuck is Ned Stark? Jesus <laughs> Christ! You Shut know what? Up. I am really sick of all the people that are like, I never saw any of your stupid dragon show. You know what? That shit was a crossover hit. Okay, it was. It was like the political intrigue of House of Cards with like the epic fantasy of Lord of the Rings with like. The narrative drama with, of Mad Men. And without the problems of House of Cards. You know, yeah. The troubles. The troubles. The troubles. Yeah. The Kevin Spacey troubles. Kevin Spacey's a pedophile. Yeah, yeah. Okay, just so we're not That's dancing what we around mean. The, like what, the subject. When we say the troubles, pedophile. either we're talking about <laughs> Ireland or we're talking about pedophilia. Oh, God. Anyway. Or in the case of the Catholic Church, we're talking about both. Smack. <laughs> oh, my God. So. I'm Alex. I'm Nick. Oh, yeah. Hi. I'm Elise. I mean, if you're one of, like, the three people that listens to this show, you know us in real life anyway. So I don't know why we, like, continue to, like, introduce ourselves every week. On the off chance that maybe one one of these days we'll get a fan. (laughs) I think we did, but I think we just lost them. Oh, God. Because of that. So (laughs) Yeah, probably. You know what? I'm fine. (laughs) Die mad about it. That's, like, my new phrase. At work today, I was like... Fuck it. <laughs> Die mad about it. I don't care. That's not true. I care very much about my job. Um, please don't fire me. Please don't fire me, <laughs> random listeners. Random <laughs> listeners who have nothing to do with the hiring process. Anyway. Um, anyway, so we've had a lot of things that we did these past couple many weeks. Yeah, things. Many things. So we've got a lot we've of things we want to talk about. Mm-hmm. We were sad about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So where do we where do we want to start? Um, well, why don't we start with one of the things that was so far in the past that now it seems so, like, distant that we can barely remember it. Which is... Detective Pikachu. Detective, Detective Pikachu. Pikachu! was very... I Yeah, uh, I can barely remember it now, but I remember enjoying it. I feel like everybody... So, we saw it We saw it at the movie theater. We had, like, a small group of people, mm-hmm. and everybody was just watching it with, like, their hands, you know, their chin in their hands, with just big eyes... Staring up the screen, like it was adorable, it was wonderful. It was. It was like film noir for children. Mm-hmm. One of my coworkers was like, "Ugh, my wife and I, you know, we got into an argument about who was going to take our son to see Detective Pikachu," and I was like, "The fuck are you talking about?" It man? was an. Oh, do you mean an argument about who got to go take your child to go see <laughs> no, Detective Pikachu? No, they were like both dragging their feet. Like neither uh, one of them wanted to go. And I was like, no, you don't understand. It is so good. Here's the thing. It is so good. Here's the thing. You cannot review Detective Pikachu as a movie. Because I feel like on a movie oh, level... It's, it's probably it, bad. It fails on so many levels as a movie to the point where my brain is like 
deleting everything that actually happened in it. Like the longer we go from it, the less I will <laughs> like I won't remember a single scene from that movie. I don't know. About in like another month but or two. I'll remember the I'll remember the feeling that I had. Of just utter joy seeing yeah. seeing the Pokemon world bl- brought to life. It's what I imagine like doing heroin to be like, but without the withdrawals. <laughs> like you just have this warm, floaty feeling. <laughs> the withdrawal is you realize that like the romance was paper thin and oh, the plot God. made no sense. Oh man, and that the the, <laughs> like, the, the romantic withdrawal. lead was like possibly the worst actor in oh, the world. No, oh, she just, was not. Are you talking about Justice Smith? No, Justice Smith was fine. I'm talking about the girl. Oh, the girl was... I thought she was all right. She was okay. Nah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> her, her plot was so... Oh, my God. No, but it was, it, was, it was film noir for babies. Yeah. And sad adults, apparently. And I think, I think <laughs> sad that... Sad millennial adults. Going back very briefly to, to touch on... I can't even remember what the character... Lucy? Is that the character's yeah, name? Yeah, Lucy. Look, going back to touch on her very briefly, I feel like the filmmakers knew that she was the weakest part of the movie. So they just, Be- like, cut her. Because, yeah, it's like, oh, we're, we're about to go to a very emotional scene. Um, you can't come. <laughs> you wait in the car. <laughs> Actually, I, oh my god, you're absolutely right there. That does happen. She waits in the car. She waits in the car. During the scenes emotion, like during the movie's like emotional core. Yeah. She's no, just... that fucking happens. You're absolutely right. I don't understand if... Okay, so we're just going to spoil the shit out of this movie, just so we're clear. I, there's nothing to spoil. There's nothing really to spoil, okay, but the just ending so you know, spoil. like... The, they're... Vaguely. Va- like there's, I, I think there's the- a little. There was one thing that surprised me about the ending. Mm-hmm. Yes, but we talked yeah. about this as soon as we got out of it. Um, is that we got into the movie and like movie starts up and like one of the very first things that we see is and I'm blanking on his name. Why am I blanking on his name? The actor. Ryan Reynolds. No, not Ryan. Justice Reynolds. Seven. Not, Justice no, Smith. the the guy who wasn't in any of the promotions. Oh. Fuck! He's like super famous. Yeah, I don't know why I'm blanking on his name. Oh right my god! Now. Someone please look it up. I don't have my phone. I, I don't. My phone's um, over. Okay, I'll be right back. I'll be right back. I'm gonna look. But up. so okay, the, so he's the guy. He plays um, this uh, rich he, industrialist. He, that... Well, for the listeners at home, the this actor is a big big name actor, and we're blanking on his name for whatever reason. Um, he was in Pirates of the Caribbean. He's he's uh, um. He's somebody's Davy dad. Jones. He's Davy Jones. He's Davy Jones in Pirates of the Caribbean. He's somebody's dad in a movie. He's he's uh, Sean's stepdad and Sean's there you dad. Go. Mm-hmm. Bill Nighy. Bill Nighy. Oh my God! Bill Nighy is in this yeah. movie, and as and soon as you see him, you're like, Oh, Bill Nighy is the bad. He's guy. the bad guy because. <laughs> He's the biggest named actor in this movie other than Ryan Reynolds, and he is in zero of the promotional zero material. Of the promotion now, see, scenes. I saw him, and, like, I didn't recognize him as, like, an actor. Like, yeah. I recognized his face from somewhere, yeah. and it was probably Shaun of the Dead. The dead. Yeah. Um, but, like, I didn't, like, I had thought the build-up was, like, okay, well, he's being built up to be the villain, yeah. but the movie wouldn't do that. Clearly, yeah. it's got to be this bait-and-switch where it is what they think it they, is. They do kind of attempt the bait-and-switch because for a while they're pushing it. It's like, oh, it's his son. It's the yeah, son. Yeah, like, I had thought, yeah. I had thought I had, like, a brief moment where it's like, no, it's not. It's really him as he was pulling that bait-and-switch. But yeah. I was like, no, the film wouldn't do that. Yeah. And then they did. No, it's him. Yeah. I, I, that's I, not the bigger reveal. I think they can get away with it because that's not the bigger reveal. What, what is the bigger? Was it, I, is it... 
who Pikachu really yeah, is. Yeah, it's absolutely yeah. who, real, who Pikachu really is. Yeah. yeah. Like, that is the much bigger reveal yeah, of that movie. I, like, that is the twist. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know? I kind of figured that out a little bit before it happened, but, like, the Bill Nighy thing, like, I turned to you in the theater, at least, yeah. and was like, like, as soon as Bill Nighy was on screen, I was like, oh, Bill Nighy's gonna put his brain in Mewtwo. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no. and that's yeah. exactly what ends that's up happening. That is, that is what ends up happening. I didn't, I didn't think that was what the plot was going with it, and I had no idea about Ryan Reynolds being about the the dad being. For spoilers, Are we just gonna spoil. Yeah, yeah. I mean, spoilers. we said it okay. was. I'll put so, spoilers in the comments. It's fine. Um, uh, basically, Pikachu, Detective Pikachu, can speak to Justice Smith's character, but he can't speak to any other humans, and it turns out, da 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 da. Detective Pikachu was Ryan Reynolds the entire time. And, so he was and Ryan dad. Reynolds was his dad. And Ryan yeah. Reynolds was his dad. Everybody so. knows that Detective Pikachu <laughs> was Ryan Reynolds. You know what I meant. People so were very like, upset about it for a while because so it wasn't... You wouldn't die DeVito. mad about it. But you right? know what? I fucking love Detective Pikachu. Yeah. But you know, you know what? You know what? I would have loved it if it was still Danny DeVito and Danny DeVito was also, <laughs> also the was dad. Also the dad. Yeah. And then like we have all these like flashback scenes <laughs> where where it's like, like he's in only, shadow. You only ever see the dad from like behind He's yeah. always wearing gloves. He's always wearing uh-huh. a hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, in case you didn't know, um, Ryan Reynolds is a white Canadian man. Mm-hmm. Um, and Justice Smith is an African-American man. So, like, you don't know. So I thought that was, like, a really interesting way to do, mm-hmm. you know. And I think I think the bigger hook is, like, ha, you're a racist. <laughs> like, I felt like that was, like, the bigger. I mean, I assume <laughs> through most, because, I mean, he is, I, I think, is Justice Smith not biracial? I think he he's got to be. He's got to be biracial. And then the and the mom is like, because you see the grandmother and the grandmother's black. Yes, and the mom is too. Yeah, and the yeah. And so like I assumed through the entire thing that when we saw the dad, it would be a white actor. Yeah. And then like of course it yeah and of course it's Ryan Reynolds and like when you figure out what the plot is, it kind of becomes obvious like what happened. Yeah. But it takes so long for them to get to like that aspect of the plot that it's not obvious. To uh, yeah, yeah. His I was surprised. Dad, his dad is black and his mom's white, so yeah, he's biracial. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was the inverse of Detective Pikachu. Yeah. But yeah. But yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. It was so much fun. And you know, it, it it's not like it's not like some kind of work of art in terms yeah. of the plot but in yeah. terms of the the, the, the technology CGI. Yeah. oh my god it's so it, good for for a lot of it and then for like it's really weird yeah because like the cgi like for some things i'm like my brain was telling me like pikachu is an actual character in this scene like there's a there's a yeah. scene where pikachu gets hurt and like you see them kind of standing around like this Pikachu and like his, his fur is all wet and matted and it's like kind of br- blowing around in the breeze. And you're like, this is a real physical object that's actually in the scene with them. Yeah. It has to be because it's moving like it. And then like the very next scene, there's some Bulbasaurs walking around and I don't know if it was the lighting or what, but I'm like, these are toys. <laughs> these are, these are fake video game toys. I, I know. I love, I love the Bulbasaurs too, but the they Bulbasaur- look, and it was, and it varied from shot to shot because yeah. there were some some shots where they just looked rubbery and fake, and then like the very next shot again, it was like, oh, this is a real animal that's like actually it's like in the, the, cl- world the close ups. Yeah, it wasn't even a close up. The one, the one that I remember being. I felt like the close ups were really good. Oh, okay, and yeah, that yeah. like when the when the Pokemon were off in the distance is when they looked more cartoonish. <laughs> 
But like when they were like right up in front, like when you know Bulbasaur like really gets mm-hmm. into Justice Smith's face, and then it's like, oh my god. Yeah. Ugh, my heart. Yeah, it's so cute. That might have like, been. I just want to reach. I would have. I hate 3D movies. Mm-hmm. I totally would have watched this shit in 3D. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think mostly just because I'm like, I, I, I want to live in this world. And I, think I want that's... to live in the world where there's Pokemon. Oh my god, the Cubone though in the beginning. Oh, the Cubone was adorable. was so good. I love that his friend is like he's lonely like you. Yeah. <laughs> like. The friend with no filter. Yeah. Oh my god, it was like the perfect movie though for millennials because it's like, because we're all getting up there in years and now it's like the the Gen Z is like now come of age and they're all in their late teens and early twenties and you know anyway whatever. Um, but like it was such a good movie for millennials because it was like you know we were promised all this shit when we were young we were promised we were gonna be Pokemon trainers. And instead, like, Justice Smith is working, like, a dead-end job at an insurance company. And it's, and it's like, like, two steps away from, like, having, like, a job title. And he is he is completely disillusioned with yeah. the whole Pokemon stuff. Yeah. Like, everything is left. And the, and yeah, it's the like, lo- yeah. Lucy, the love interest, is, like, working an unpaid internship. Yeah, as a blogger. Yeah, as a blogger. <laughs> and she has, like writing listicles about which Pokemon are the cutest and she's like they're all cute <laughs> that I will say that was her that one was really so... good line I, I think yeah. that most of that movie she's not very good but I really did enjoy yeah. that line they're all cute <laughs> <laughs> they write themselves god and it's just the fact that she's not getting paid and I'm just like oh my god and she drives like a really shitty car yeah and she has like, like a, a smart car yeah yeah and she has but, like her her like emotionally dependent Psyduck that's also kind of manipulative. The Psyduck and is I'm amazing. Like, the Psyduck this is really is, good. This is the world we would inhabit. <laughs> like this is this is it, y'all. Like they really this movie. I'm gonna say it more than any other movie has nailed the millennial experience. <laughs> like <laughs> Detective Fucking Pikachu. It's like this is this is our like generations. I don't know the Breakfast Club. <laughs> like. This, <laughs> I feel like Scott Pilgrim is that, but... No, 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 no. Scott Pilgrim still has too much promise. That shit, like, you know, those kids, they were going to be, you know, as soon as they made a big break, they were going to be rock stars. They were young, they were full of hope. But I think... This is when you're fucking 30 and you know your life is over and you are working as a fuck... Like, no. But at least you have a cute pet. But at least you have a cute pet. (laughs) And most months you can make your rent. Like, that's why Detective Pikachu, more than Scott Pilgrim... Is is our, the fuck- movie and, of no, our generation. and at the end, at the end of Scott Pilgrim, like you know, they get to like they hold hands and they run off on their big adventure together. Mm. And at the, the end of this, it's like they have an awkward, they have an awkward run in, mm. and they don't and they don't make official plans. So yeah, I'm Fair calling enough. it Detective Pikachu is is the Breakfast is Club the of our Breakfast day. Club of our generation. Like, this is the movie that defines us <laughs> as. As a group, this is the movie that defines us and makes us stand apart as millennials, <laughs> and it makes us different. Counterpoint. And yes. Counterpoint. Counterpoint. Uh, Justice Smith is actually younger than Scott Pilgrim. Was. Oh, fuck you! <laughs> no, because he's, he's like 21. He's 21, he's... and Scott Pilgrim is 23. God damn it. No, yeah. but like, no, shut up. It's. I remember lie. because I was 23 the first time I read Scott Pilgrim, and I'm like, oh my god, this is exactly what it's like to be my age. <laughs> Actually, no. You know what the real millennial experience is? Hmm. It's not a movie. It's regular show. I could... Yeah, yeah, but... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's regular show. You're working a job like you're with your kind of dumb friend. Detective Pikachu has the existential dread 
Whereas like regular show has regular show still has too much hope. Mm. I feel like Detective Pikachu is I don't like know no, about that. you're you're. I think your I think is they, terrible they, they, and like, you should feel they're bad. They're in their twenties cleaning up trash in a park. <laughs> <laughs> like that's their job <laughs> but they're not that angry about it no like i know okay okay, okay so schmucks. it's like there's the difference between being a millennial in like obama's america yeah. and oh being a millennial in trump's okay. america no and actually that's the no yes. that's it that's it that's yes. it that's it that's the division <laughs> i again because i remember i remember the first time i watched regular show um and they were playing with like the wrestle buddies that i yeah. remember from my childhood yeah and they end up like busting a hole in the wall. And I think um, it's Mordecai <laughs> says, we're 23 years old. We shouldn't be doing this kind of thing. So I'm like, oh my. and again, I was 23 at the time and it spoke to something deep in my soul. I do like the gumball, the gumball machine that's their uh, boss. Yeah. Yeah. That also. Oh. <laughs> anyway. And Mark Hamill is their uh, voice of reason, which yeah, I feel like is yeah. also true of our generation. Oh my god, so true of our generation. Okay. Uh, so this is this is what the Lord hath wrought upon yeah. us. <laughs> but no, it was, yeah, maybe the world should just be over now. <laughs> like anyway. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. yeah. So that that was how we started this uh Fortnite. Um, yes. Yeah, this Fortnite. Yeah. And um, not the video game Gen Z <laughs> means two weeks. <laughs> Gen, Z, Gen Z doesn't listen to podcasts. That's true. They listen to like mumble rap and we need to stop racists. making fun of them. They're like <laughs> the, the Gen Z. Is I'm not making fun of them. I'm just pointing it out. Uh, you know, I, when, we like we shouldn't we shouldn't be doing this when, thing where we like we you know we shit yeah. on Gen Z. Don't as shit on future, Gen on, X. I'm, has, not, like, I'm not shitting on them. Us. Here, I'm not shitting on them. You have to understand. When the war comes, Gen Z <laughs> will end up being like Lord of the Flies psychopaths who will end up ruling over all of us. We'll still be having like deep, deep existential no, crises. No, no, no. It's and, like, going to be like no. liberal arts style Socratic seminars about no, no. what about the merits of uh, it's it's going to be machine guns in the apocalypse. Like like when Gandalf the White shows up as the cavalry to save the day. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's like that, except they're on Healy's yeeting <laughs> <laughs> and dabbing down the street. <laughs> yeah, but that's assuming that, that Gen Z believes in anything other than nihilism, which I have not seen yeah. any evidence. Oh, they, I know, they, they do. believe in the happy, like, but, but their, their, their thing is definitely like, life is meaningless. Do what you want. Yeah. The world's ending. Yeah. And it's like, I wish, I wish I could be that kind of nihilist. That's why so many middle schoolers love Trump. Yeah. Oh god, that kind of yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Anyway, let's uh, move on to some of the other stuff that we we saw because we did wait, see quite wait. a bit. Wait, really, really quick though, if you had to have any Pokemon, recognizing that Psyduck is a shit Pokemon for a Pokemon companion for a journalist, yeah, because she's always in high stakes situations and he can't keep his shit together and he's manipulative as fuck. Anyway, sorry, I just wanted to say that one thing. Number two. Which Pokemon would you most want as a pet? And we've had this conversation before. And yeah, I, but we're having it on, on podcast. On, okay, we're having fair. it on recording. That's fair. But I, I, I was going to say my same answer, which is I've always been Team Squirtle, ride or die, from, you know, 1998 to now. <laughs> so. I, Alex? I, I don't know enough Pokemon because I haven't played the, the games. <clears throat> what the fuck is wrong with you? What do you mean you haven't played the games? I haven't played the games. Did you not... Have a Game Boy? No. Like Were you deprived? I was. I was a very deprived you... child. <laughs> you should know this about me by now. I didn't have a childhood. Okay. Oh. <laughs> oh 
I'm sad. <laughs> you get a Vulpix. Anyway. <laughs> what would you have, Elise? I don't know. So that's the thing. That's why I always ask people. I thought you I'm want like, a Bulbasaur. I do. I do want a Bulbasaur. I was also, I I was not, I was team Squirtle, but I was not ride or die Squirtle. I would frequently, like, I'd start a game, play as Squirtle, then start another game and, and play as Bulbasaur as my starter. So I'm like, oh, I could definitely do that. I could also do, like, Growlithe or Eevee because they're pretty cute. Yeah, Bulbasaur. Bulbasaur is so, he's just, he's so derpy and adorable. The, he has the little, like, flower on his butt. The problem so with Bulbasaur is, like, for the first two evolutions, you're like, okay, yeah, this is pretty nice. And then, like, when he turns you get into to the a third Venusaur, and it's like, oh, my God. What, what is the that? fuck is this? I have the god rot. Ivysaur, is that what that is? Venusaur. Uh, Venusaur. Venusaur. Ivysaur still looks kind of yeah. cute. And, like, with Squirtle, it's like, Squirtle is really cute. Uh... War Turtle is like cute but cool because he's got those wings on his head. And yeah. It's like that's kind of neat. And then like Blastoise is like you know an OG like badass, <laughs> but he still looks Fair, cool. Like he yeah. doesn't look terrifying. You know. Yeah. Uh, I'm also a big fan of the ghost types. Uh, Would I, you have a Haunter? I might have a Haunter. You yeah, I can see you I, a Haunter I, I, or a and, Gengar. And see, here's the thing: I like Haunter better than Gengar, mm. even though Gengar is better, like objectively. <laughs> I don't know. I I, I do I just agree. like imagine like it? one night we're like we're in bed, and then like you know we're like sleeping in bed, and then like you just hear this, because like Gengar has the little feet, and it's like Gengar, and you're just like fuck. <laughs> Like, did you not feed it? What the I fuck is wrong some, with you? I saw some great um, fan art recently <laughs> uh, of of uh, someone did Haunter and Gengar as oh no it was it was it was Gengar and Clefairy as two human lesbians <laughs> and it was like they're dating obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and like Gengar was all butch and Clefairy was all femme, but it was Aww. just like, it was great. I loved it. See, that's like another Pokemon that would be kind of cool to have. Clefairy. Clefairy. Yeah. I would not want a Jigglypuff. Those things are no. temperamental. And in that movie, they were cre- the the the. They uh, looked creepy. It was they looked really creepy. creepy looking. I do love how they just they would spit out random Pokemon facts, uh-huh. and I think it was because like. As a millennial, you were just sitting there and be like, ha actually, Pikachu's most, and they're like, his most powerful attack is this. And it's like, yes. You know that. that you, you know that, movie. Like, you, know. you know that. You, you know. You're made by the people. I wonder, <laughs> there was a line, I can't remember what, it, I wish I could remember it, because there was yeah. a line that Bill Nighy said in that movie that just sounded so goddamn ridiculous <laughs> coming out of Bill Nighy's mouth. And I turned to Elise in the theater and was like, how much do you think that Bill Nighy got paid for just that one line? I think he enjoyed every goddamn I, minute of it. I, I he think probably he, did. That was like the best. He was probably like, oh, how much are you going to pay me? And it's only two weeks of worth because I'm only in three God, scenes. God, he is only in three scenes. And have it in a wheelchair I the whole time. I get several million dollars. Yeah, I get dollars. to sit down sit the entire time. I sit time. down the whole time. <laughs> What's Interesting. that? For some of this, I only have to do voice work, and I don't actually have to be in studio. Well, I'm going to roll up in my pajamas. Do you think and... he actually? Do you think he literally phoned in those Mewtwo lines? <laughs> yeah, he did. Because <laughs> I feel he like, was, like he did. Probably, like, yeah, like he had his like fucking like iPhone 10 on speaker. <laughs> well, he's like. You but know. as a professional, it still sounded good. Yeah, it's sounded not, good. I'm like, Bill Nighy, and I can do that. Mm-hmm. I've. I've gotten to this part in my career where 
like fold it in and it still sounds good because I'm goddamn Bill Nye. <laughs> that's oh, yeah. that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but yeah, I'm sure I'm sure you have the time of this fucking life. You know, Ryan Reynolds is having the time of this. Oh fucking god, life, yeah, for sure. Ryan, Ryan Reynolds clearly had a blast. Like, really enjoyed he's... it. I love the part where he's singing the theme song to the oh, original god. show while crying, which brings up so many questions. <laughs> because well, yeah, like the... was the show in. In, in universe, the, in the it universe, it has to be like, in universe because no, they, they sing the theme song. He sings it and they play it um, when Bill Nighy and his son are having the fight. Yeah, that's right. So, so yeah. But then, like the scenes, like like the plot is kind of a sequel. It's to kind of the, a sequel to Pokemon the first movie. Yeah. So, was that like an actual event that they turned into a, a children's, children's movie? TV show? I think is is Ash be. like a reality TV show? Host like now. Host or star? No, or no, he's he's like, like he's like, like the, the he's like the Macaulay Culkin of that universe. Oh god, yeah. No, 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 no. Head cannon. Okay? Oh. okay, I'm ready for it. It's not Ash. Uh huh. It's Red. Uh... Red is the one who did it. Ash is the fictionalized version from the TV show. Yes. There you go. Okay. Well, now we've come <laughs> okay, up with now that. Now I'm sorry. All right. God, we spent way too long talking. <laughs> no, about that. I'm sorry, fine. but I love I love that. It was movie. good. It was again. It, it wasn't... And I got to do my Bill Nighy impression. Yeah, it was a good <laughs> Bill Nighy impression. You sound, Thank you. You mostly sound like Bill Nighy from... Um, uh, Love Actually. Love Actually, yeah. 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 No, the that's Bill fair. Nighy who doesn't give a shit about literally anything. <laughs> I think that's just him in real life. Like, I don't know. Like, prove me wrong. You're, you're probably right. Yeah. I'm going to Google it right now. Does Bill Nighy give a shit about anything? I don't think he All does. right. <laughs> so, should we talk about the big thing now, or should we save that for the end? Game of Thrones? Game of Thrones. Oh, uh, let's save Game of Thrones to the end, because okay. I'll take a nap while okay. you guys talk about your thing. Because, well, don't take a I nap, mean, because uh, we want to know your thing. All right, so so yesterday, yep. um, Nick and I watched two movies yeah. by the same writer. Direct, writer and director. Yeah. Which I did not realize until we were about to put on the second movie. Yeah. So who is that person? Was, I, the guy's name is Walter Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, who also apparently was the the writer for the story for Aliens. Mm. Um, but the first movie we watched was something a uh, DVD that uh, some friends of ours let me borrow a while back that I haven't had the chance to actually sit down and watch, called Streets on Fire or Streets of Fire. Streets of Fire. Streets of Fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and Alex, can you explain Streets of Fire? Because I don't know if I can. I can. <laughs> All right. So Streets of Fire is what they call a rock and roll fable. Um, is it? it? Yes. Who's they? The marketing I, team, because okay. that's what's like the tagline. Oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. So they call it a rock and roll fable. It is set in another time, another place, <laughs> which is like the '50s if it was also the, the '80s. 80s. Yeah. Um, Basically, it's and I feel like it's what the '80s were like in the Fallout universe. <laughs> and so basically, um, this uh, singer, this had come from like the, the shits and had gone up in the world and it was coming back to her hometown to give like a benefit performance. Um, and while she's giving this, yeah, what was the benefit for? They didn't actually say, I'm not sure. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, I guess um, not. but whatever the case may be, um, she's giving that she's, she does like the, the movie opens with a song. It's got like really good music. Yeah, it does. The music was apparently directed and well, not the music was written by the same person that wrote like, um, I need a hero and like a bunch of meatloaf. Yeah, and like a bunch of meatloaf music. That makes so much sense. Yeah. So who was it written by John Park? No, it was not written by John Park. No. Just asking. No, but um, but anyway, so like the music was was solid. 
Um, and uh, while she's singing this song, uh, after she sings it, then like Willem Dafoe comes in with all of his boys. Yeah, Willem Dafoe is the leader of a biker gang. In what we looked it up on IMDb, and it was like his fourth movie role, yeah, like including short films and like uncredited parts. <laughs> yeah. So a very young Willem Dafoe, yeah, uh, who still looks corpse-like, yeah. Um, but anyway, so he he jumps up on stage with his biker gang and kidnaps her. And then one of the people in the audience is... Bill Paxton. Well, Bill Paxton is in the audience, yeah. too. And he jumps up on stage and gets knocked out. Yep. Um, but one of the people in the audience is uh, owner of, like, a diner named Reva. And she sends a letter to her brother, um, who had just got out of the army. I think his name is, what, something Cody? Top- Cody. Yeah, Cody's his last name. Yeah. Um, but basi- most of the people in the movie just call him Cody. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so Cody comes back, um, basically to rescue the singer who had been, you know, they had been like lovers back in the day, but, um, so he gets in contact with the, um, manager who is played by, oh God, I'm blanking on all the names today, <laughs> um, the, from Ghostbusters and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, um, at least, what's that guy's name? The, the, oh, the dorky dude. guy. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but I'll Rick Moranis. Rick Moranis. Thank Rick Moranis. You. Rick Moranis. Again, also very early in his career because I we looked we were looking up because this movie's got a shitload of famous people in it, and but you've never heard of that it. That you've never heard of the movie, but like this was like like Strange Brew came out the year before this movie. Yeah, like like he was known more for his stand up like yeah. at that time. Um, I'm going to go grab my phone, because if I'm not from remembering things, then I need to have IMDb <laughs> yeah. available. All right, I'll be your, your talking partner for this okay. section. All right, so so Rick Moranis is, like, the manager and boyfriend to the singer. Okay. Um, and uh, the singer is played by Diane Lane. Um, and so, uh, what's his name? Wait, Diane, really? Yeah. 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 Really? Really. It's one of her first roles. Like, apparently she was, like, 19 when she read for it. Um. (laughs) Yeah. That's what we were saying, is that, like, this movie has just, like, crazy amounts of people in it who, like, went on to do huge things. And it's like, why does no one know about this movie? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so Tom, that's his name, Tom Cody, uh, who's played by Michael Parry, um, who I don't think anyone really heard of. Uh, But in any case... um, he and Rick Moranis and this other person um, named McCoy, basically, who was, like, a mechanic in the army, and she got out of the army. And basically, it's 1983, and we can't say she's a lesbian, but she is one. And that's kind of, like, what they're yeah. doing. Yes, because uh, she's, uh, the the first time that they meet, there's, like, a very brief moment where I think Cody's trying to flirt with her and yeah. she's like, you're not my type. Yeah. And, and so, he's like, that's cool. Whatever. <laughs> and so he's like, I need to sleep. I need a place to sleep. Oh yeah. You can sleep with me. Nah, you don't get it, buddy. <laughs> and, and so it's like, I'll sleep on your couch. Um, so yeah. So, but she starts hanging out with them and like the three of them go off to go rescue Diane Lane. And, um, and then like they, they go to this factory where, where that's also, <laughs> It's also a bar, kind of. Also, uh, interestingly enough, looking at Diane Lane's uh, movie career, this was not, like, she had way more roles than I think pretty much anyone else in this movie up to this point. Oh, yeah? Um, this is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. This is ten movies in. Mm. 
The Outsiders came out a year before. No, it's more than ten movies in. Um, she was had already been in the Cotton Club, The Outsiders. Uh, let's see, nothing else like really big <coughs> that I can tell. Mm. Uh, but her, like her first movie was 1979, so mm-hmm. she had been a thing for a while, I think. But anyway, yeah. So so they sneak into this place. They shoot up the place and and destroy all the motorcycles, um. <laughs> which were apparently we made we were joking about it as we were watching it. That like all of the the vehicles in this movie seem to be made out of contact paper and like gasoline. <laughs> it's like shoot it with a with a, like a rifle and it explodes. There are some cases where it wasn't even shot. Like the 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 bike like flips over and taps the ground and explodes. <laughs> They were like very... it falls over and explodes, and they're like, "What?" <laughs> and like, like one is on fire, and another one like goes near it, and it catches on fire too. I will say this: the the title of this movie is extremely accurate. <laughs> yeah. It's the, very explicit. There, the there are, are the streets, streets and, and they, they are, are on fire, fire. Yeah. for a large part of this movie. Excellent. Indeed. Um, and so on their way to escape, they have to ditch the car uh, for some reason. Um, and then they run into... Is it on fire? Uh, no. no we this... need to go back. We need to go back. Okay. Because you didn't... Oh, yeah, no. You didn't mention the single greatest thing in this movie. Which is... Which, which is, is Willem Dafoe's what outfit. Willem Dafoe is wearing in this film. Why? In this scene. Why? In most... In, like, half the movie, Willem Dafoe is wearing what appears to be leather fly fishing waders. And nothing and else. nothing else. <laughs> So it's like yes. they like uh. go up to his nipples, no shirt on underneath. And he's got I know like, what I'm thinking about tonight before I go to bed. Oh my god, he looked like a fucking cenobite. It was, <laughs> it was. It was wait, wait, what color was the leather? Black. <laughs> he looked like a cenobite. It was amazing. Oh I loved it. Um, you opened my puzzle box. <laughs> Oh, Defoe's here. <laughs> and then later in the movie, he takes off a leather jacket and he has another leather jacket on underneath of it. That's, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> this is what oh bikers wear in another time and another place. Um, so anyway, so they, they manage to rescue her. They escape. And they run into, like, their biggest fan, like, the singer's biggest fan. Oh, yeah, who's also another person. Um, she's, you the, You probably will recognize her face if you've ever seen um, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. She's Dottie in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Oh, my God. Is that the same voice as Patty Manning? Yeah, I was going to say, but you probably recognize her voice work more. Um, she was also on several seasons of Orange is the New Black. Oh, God, she's been, yeah, she's been in tons mm-hmm. of stuff. But, but she was in this movie. But she too. was in this movie. <laughs> Um, let me see if I can find, uh, like, her credits while, while Alex mm-hmm. continues to talk so, about it. So, yeah, we were like, I remember we were halfway through the movie, and Alex looks at me and like, yep, we're halfway through, and we're still introducing new characters. Yeah, so she jumps into the party for some reason. Uh, she, she basically lets them know that the cops are after him, because they Is shot this up this thing. like, <laughs> modern D&D setting, like, so game? So, what we or... think, what we think, or what I think, is that this movie was originally like a western that they kind of set in a weird time in order to have like rock and roll music. Yeah. Um, I was like, nobody's seeing the westerns which, anymore. Which, like, you got to update this uh, for the picture. Again, we looked at the we looked at Walter Hill's directorial credits cause when I was trying to figure out what else he directed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of the movies is um, Last Man Standing, which is a remake of an old western. 
but it's set in like the 1930s or 1940s. Yeah. Huh. So well, that's what I'm thinking it was, but he wrote it from scratch. So like, I think that, I don't know what happened. Anyway, point being that um, they run into, uh, in order to escape the cops, they hijack a bus full of uh, African-American singers um, that were on their way to their own gig. Um, and they drive through a police barricade, and then the bus is on fire, and they have to abandon that. And so everybody, the singers, the fan, the the main singer, um, uh, Diane Lane's Diane character. Lane, the uh, main character, McCoy, and, and Fish, Fish, yeah, who, the, who is the manager. Yeah. All right. So all of them get onto a train. The fan, <laughs> but going back to her, because mm-hmm. I want to go through what, this. What's list. her name? Uh, her name is Elizabeth Daly. Uh-huh. She is Dottie in Pee-wee's Big Adventure, but you probably know her better as Buttercup from the Powerpuff Girls. Babe, Shit, she was Buttercup? Babe from the Babe movies. Uh, Mumble from Happy Feet as a baby. Like uh, Oh, before it becomes Elijah so, Wood. Before it becomes Elijah Wood. Uh, let's see. Uh, these are all... She's Patty Mayonnaise. She's, I think she is Patty Mayonnaise. She's done some voices. For, she's in Uncle Grandpa. Um, she was in Doom 2016. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm trying to find like some of her other like big. There's a whole lot of like stuff on here that, not is not that big, but yeah, like, I think she was Patty Mayonnaise. Yeah. Um, she was in Wreck It Ralph. She was in uh, she was other voices in Happy V Two, but she's been in like 200 movies. Mm-hmm. So, but, but she was also voice, in this movie. Voice work. She was also in this movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. most of her stuff is voice work. Yeah. Um, so eventually they all end up escaping both the, like the, the troll cops. Oh, Tommy Pickles. Yeah. Yeah, she's Tommy Pickles. Yeah. Uh, both the patrol cops and the, uh, bike, biker gangs. And they end up returning finally back to the, um, like day breaks and they end up going back to like the cops. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the not the bad cops. Not the bad. This cops. was the scene that I found most confusing because they run into police barricade mm-hmm. on the way back from rescuing the singer, and they're like, "Oh, we can't talk to the cops," and they like try to bribe their way out and like talk their way out, and the cops like so the, that doesn't work, so they end up like threatening to shoot them and then run the barricade, and then they run the barricade, and then they go to the very like. The very next scene, practically, mm-hmm. they're at the police station. Like, hey, we did like so. Well, those were the corrupt cops. This one's the only the only good cop in the city. It's like it's like the the difference between like the patrol, like the highway patrol versus like the city cops. I don't know what it doesn't make sense. I think it doesn't it's, matter. I think it's purely because it is like it is clearly dis- modeled after a western. Mm-hmm. They needed to have like the good natured but in this instance ineffectual town sheriff exactly who yeah. like tries to maintain law like, order like but it reminded me of like the prince from Romeo and Juliet or something a little bit yeah. yeah yeah anyway so the the chief the police chief is there and he gets a message from uh the biker gang uh leader where he wants to meet with uh Cody on the streets at like high noon or whatever um to to settle this out and so the sheriff is like, no, you have to be out of town, both of you, by morning. And we'll be there and we'll pick him up. Yeah. So they, like, stuff happens. Cody, like, makes a jerk to everybody. And, and eventually Diane Lane and, and them make up and they go away. Yeah. But Cody's like, no, I got to be there. And so yeah. he knocks her out. this guy out. Yeah, <laughs> so he punches her, our hero, ladies and gentlemen. He punches yeah. her to he knock her out. He punches Diane Lane, knocks her out. And then Leaves goes, her with McCoy, though, so like, yeah. she's not, like, 
alone. Yeah. Um, and so she's far away from the city and then goes back. But then it's the day of the showdown mm-hmm. and the, the cops there uh, waiting for uh, Raven, who's, who's um, the villain. Um, and he shows up with his two guys like he said he would. And when Cody's not there, he blows this like air horn <laughs> and like all the bikers just appear. Um, and, uh, what's his name? The, the guy from Aliens was oh, there. Oh, Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton runs off, um, and then returns with the town militia. Yeah, It's like just a whole bunch of townies with their shotguns. Um, but then Cody arrives, and... They have a sledgehammer fight. They have a sledgehammer duel. <laughs> Which, I'm still trying to figure out why sledgehammers <laughs> were the choice of weapon. Yeah, okay. they're fighting with, they fight with sledgehammers. It's amazing. And then, Over the top and just... Wonderful. <laughs> and Alex at that point made a joke about, well, at least it's not chainsaw duels, but I've actually seen films that have that feature chainsaw duels. Mm-hmm. So I thought you were being serious. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so, so they have this duel and eventually of course, Cody wins, knocks him out. Not with the sledgehammer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause he's about to, and then he throws the sledgehammer away, which gets a great Defoe scream. <laughs> Featuring an all an equally amazing Defoe face, <laughs> and then he like spears him like Mil Muertes, yeah. and then they continue the fight. And they continue the fight with fisticuffs, yeah. and so he finally knocks him out. The biker gangs flee, although they do take Defoe with them. Like they don't leave him for the cops. They do loyally take him back, um, and uh, and then. Diane Lane sings another song, and Cody walks and, off and with McCoy. She sings a song for a long time. It's a six-minute song. I mean, the, the like the opening song and the ending song are both like six yeah. minutes. But it's like, and it's like, the, the, it's like poetry. They rhyme because the ending scene is almost exactly like the opening scene, where it's like it's her on stage singing the song. But she does have the backup dancers. She does of, have the backup of the African American yeah, yeah. singers. But, but what I mean is, what I mean is, in the opening scene, the door opens and Willem Dafoe and his goons come in. Yeah. And then in this one, and like walk through the crowd. And mm-hmm. then at the end, it's the main character going out through yeah. the crowd. And and they end it like Casablanca. A little bit. Where yeah. where he doesn't end up with his love and he goes off with his new best friend McCoy. Yeah. And they go off to have adventures in the two other movies that were never made. That were never made. <laughs> and I, I think I made a comment where like early in the movie mm-hmm. where I was like, this reminds me a lot of like and I said I've named a few films that it reminded me of. But two of them were um Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension Mm -hmm. and uh, Remo Williams, the adventure begins both of which were also supposed to be supposed to become franchises and then didn't like there were two sequels that they wanted to make, which was the far city and Cody's return. Yeah. But it bombed at the box office, which really sucks. That movie was really entertaining. It was. Um, but, and, and then again, same sort of thing with Buckaroo Banzai and Remo Williams, where like the movies were not as successful. Mm-hmm. And I, I have a theory, like now that I've seen this movie, cause like I had seen like Buckaroo Banzai yeah. is one of my favorite movies. I've watched Remo Williams more than a couple of times and enjoyed it a lot. I, I will say this about like why it, it bombed. One uh-huh. of the reasons why. Uh, is it cost a lot more than they thought it would. I mean, the uh, same is true of Remo Williams, the same is true yeah. of Buckaroo Banzai. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that um, the studio that made Buckaroo Banzai, like, that was the last feature yeah. film that Although they made. Although RKO was involved in this. Yeah, RKO was involved, which I was, didn't know that they were still around in the 80s. Yeah. Um, 
So what what was your theory? Okay, so my theory is that uh, when uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark came out and like made all the money in the world, a lot of like kind of amateur, like not amateur, but like lesser known filmmakers were like, oh, well, I also grew up watching old westerns or movie serials or whatever. It's like I can modernize that. I could do basically the same thing, and they all tried it. And none of them worked as well. Like, none mm-hmm. of them were as famous as Steven Spielberg was when Raiders of the Lost Ark came out. And so no one wanted to take a chance on it. Yep. But that's basically what all those movies are, is they're all, like, love letters to old forms of storytelling kind of modernized mm-hmm. in different ways. But apparently this movie was actually pretty popular in Japan. And it was, like, very like so popular among people that made other media. Apparently, it was, like, a major inspiration for Bubblegum Crisis hmm. and uh, Streets of Rage. Yeah. Um, Which so, makes sense, because every time I talk about it, I want to call it Streets yeah. of Rage. And, in fact, in fact, Bubblegum Crisis, like, the opening of that anime is almost like a shot-for-shot remake of the opening of this film. I, I don't know if I've ever actually seen Bubblegum Crisis. So, so it's, it's like... yeah, it's, like female cops in like mech suits i know vaguely what it's about but i've never seen it yeah but anyway um but yeah no it was it was just like amazingly amazingly fantastically entertaining yeah um and then we paired it with we paired it because the other movie that i kept saying it was reminded me a lot about was the warriors Mm -hmm. and i looked and i'm like oh no wonder walter hill wrote and directed the warriors too (laughs) indeed he did (laughs) Um, and there was actually also some actors that were in both movies. There, there. Uh, well, one, the the younger sister character. Two. Who, uh, who's? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Because the, the the younger sister character in uh, in uh, Streets of Fire, who's played by a person, uh, Deborah Van uh, Valkenburg. Yeah, was also uh, Mercy in The Warriors, mm-hmm. like the one major female character in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there is like an MTA employee or something like, uh, in, in Streets of Fire, who is, uh, played by the same actress who, uh, is the DJ in The Warriors. Who is also the chief. The chief from Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, Warriors, like, that one, if we say The Warriors. Yeah. Like, people, like, I don't, we don't have to go through The Warriors and explain what it is. Like, we, we can... Like it's it's a gangster film kind of set in like the near future, future that never happened, yeah. Um, where where these these gangs are all gathered together by a leader named Cypress Cyrus Cyrus, uh, who's trying to unify all the gangs of New York City to create like a mega syndicate. Can you count suckers? Yeah, and one somebody assassinates him in the middle of this meeting, and the warriors get blamed, and so they have to try to escape through New York to get it's back to Coney Island. Persian myth. Or it's, history, no, it's or? based off of Greek history, but it involves the Persian Persia, Empire. Yeah. yeah. So, but, like, that movie, there's a lot of people that know from, like, cultural osmosis about, like, mm-hmm. Warriors! Yeah. Come out and play! Yeah, like, All people right. people know that, those scene and, like, those quotes, but both movies were made by the same, same person. person. And Warriors came out first. Yeah. So it's amazing to me that people like we were watching Streets of like when we were watching the Warriors, you know, Alex was asking me why why is this one the one that got successful? And I honestly don't know. I think that they're both 
honestly, if I had to put them up side by side, I think I would say that The Warriors is a better made movie, even though it's a little bit older. Okay. Um, but I think that a lot of that was like stylistic choices. Yeah. So in Streets of Fire, there's a lot of like stylistically stilted dialogue. Yeah. And like people that will. Well, almost it's almost like they walk to their mark and say their line. Yeah. And it's kind of like invoking that old like film noir kind of which which thing. is weird like which is weird in hindsight. It probably made sense at the time. Yeah. But it's weird in hindsight because as we were saying, Streets of Fire is filled with people who are um who are really well known today. Mm-hmm. But the Warriors other than the two actors that we just said, I when we were looking through the the IMDb page for the Warriors, it's like half of the cast their IMDb their IMDb picture is the picture of them in the Warriors forty years ago, and the other half and the other half didn't have pictures at all. <laughs> so it's like entirely unknown people. It's mm-hmm. it's very it's a weird like cultural anomaly i'd be interested in seeing like why that is yeah yeah that this movie is extremely well known but none of the actors in it ever like or very few of the actors in it ever had successful careers after it or well-known careers after it and the other movie has a lot of really well-known actors but no one's ever heard of it Mm -hmm. and and many of them became well-known actors after After this movie movie. it was it wasn't like we're gonna get these people because they're (laughs) well-known and like try to write it off star value strange brew was kind of a big deal kind of in canada I think it got, I mean, just because of, like, the Lauren Michaels connection, I think it was fairly popular in the United States. Yeah. But, I don't know. Whichever the case may be, it's, like, it's not late in their career where you can bill right. it on star power. Right, right, right. <clears throat> this isn't Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Rick Moranis. Yeah. This isn't uh, Little Shop, Little Rick Moranis. No, no. So, it's it's kind of weird that, like, I don't know. Like, like that, that kind of confused me as to why... Or, or even maybe not why Streets of Fire was more well-known, but why it wasn't known at all. Yeah. Like, why has nobody... Like, I can say Streets of Fire and nobody has any idea what the fuck yeah, yeah, I'm talking yeah. about. And, and, and that included me when uh, when our friends were first telling me about it. I'm like, what the fuck is this and why have I never seen it? Yeah. And, like, now that I know it's directed by the same guy who did The Warriors, I'm even more confused <laughs> yeah. that I've never seen this movie before. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And if someone would have seen a movie like this, it would have been you. Yeah. yeah. No, exactly. It's very much in my wheelhouse. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so this was your first time seeing The Warriors. Like, I've talked I a did. lot about it. Uh, what did you think about it? I like The Warriors. Um, I I mean, it kind of... I don't know. I kept thinking about, like, how they kept kind of picking up the idiot ball a lot. Yeah. Um, where... We're like, oh, we're gonna, we're in this life or death situation where we're trying to escape for the night. Let's try to hook up with these ladies here. Yeah, but I mean, if you think about it, you know, these are these are characters who are supposed to be like, and they're not even supposed to be. Some of them are like teenagers. Yeah, they're they're teenagers who like they're they're the like the dregs of society kind mm-hmm. of a thing, and so it's like, yeah, they're not all really good people, and most of them are kind of dumb. Yeah. Uh, and like the ones who get picked off, get picked off because they're especially dumb. Yeah. And some of the ones who survive, survive purely because there's, they have that one guy with them who's like, mm, maybe I'm a little suspicious of it. So like, so like the, the, the people who go off with the, the girls who end up being in a gang and trying to kill them. Yeah. 
you know, is just kind of like, who is it? Rembrandt. Rembrandt is just kind of like, I don't know about this, guys. We should get going. Mm -hmm. Like, they're going to be waiting for us at the station. And then, you know, he ends up being right. Yeah. And then the guy who's, like, calling everybody the F-bomb through the entire movie and, like, thinking with his fists half the time and his dick the other half ends up getting caught by the police. Yeah. Like, they're not all good people. No. That's part of what I think... To me, that's what makes the movie kind of interesting is that these are supposed to be bad people. It's just that some of them are worse than others. Right, right. But it, I mean... I don't know. Like, like it was a good film. Um, but I'm gonna say this: I actually enjoyed Streets of Fire more. Yeah. Like, I mean, like I had more fun watching it. I, I had. I think you're right about that. I think <laughs> I did. And part of that might be because I've seen The Warriors so many times before yeah. that, it, like, Streets of Fire was a new experience mm-hmm. for me. And there were just moments that it was just like pure, like, what the fuck am I seeing <laughs> right now? <laughs> Which is a great feeling. Like, yeah. It, and I, and I didn't. I don't feel that so much with the Warriors, which is, I mean, for better and for worse. Mm-hmm. Like, again, it's it's a movie that is tonally consistent and it, like, it makes sense on a certain level. I and mean, it's not, like, super brainy, but it's, like, it does have some, it's got some substance to it. And it's, like, a really well-made film, like mm-hmm. I said. Like, yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's it's got a lot of, it's, it's, it's a good film. Yeah. Like, like, I enjoyed it. But, yeah, Streets of Fire was a more entertaining Yeah. I'll tell you what it is. Yeah. It's the difference it's the difference between watching like Halloween and Escape from New York. Okay. Like the, you know what I mean? Like Halloween is probably the better movie, mm-hmm. but if you're going to sit down and watch something with some friends, Escape from New York is going to be the one that you're going to have more fun watching. Yeah. But it's as if no one had ever heard of Escape from New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If no one had ever heard of Escape from New York before. God, that's exactly it. Yeah. And, like, again, like, I was looking at Walter Hill's, like, cinema, like, like filmography, and it's like, all right, Warriors, yeah, I've seen that. Last Man Standing, yeah, I've seen that one. Uh, and then there's some other 48 ones. 48 like, Hours. 48 Hours and another 48 Hours. Mm-hmm. And it's like, these are some big movies. And then it's like, there's some other ones on there. Like, what the fuck is that? A lot of, like, weird Westerns from Mm -hmm. a time when no one cared about Westerns. Also, I do want to say something about the music. So, not only was it directed by the person, or written by the person that wrote, like, I Need a Hero. um, Also, the end, the the ending song, which is Tonight is What It Means to Be Young, was later adapted into De Tanz de Vampire. Uh, Oh, right. uh, And there was a song from this movie that made it into, like, the Billboard Top Ten. Yeah. Which is I Can Dream About You. It's from this movie, yeah. and you've heard it on the radio, and you have no idea that it's from this movie. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's weird. <laughs> it's very strange. But it's nice. I, it's been a long time since I've had that kind of, oh, have you ever seen this movie? No, I haven't. Mm-hmm. Or or like even heard about it. Because like there are some times where it's like, you know, have you seen this movie? No, I haven't, but I've heard about it and I've wanted to see it because mm-hmm. it sounds like something I'd enjoy. I'd never heard about this movie before. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was it was a double treat for me. Yep. So if you're the person that lent this to us, we will be returning it next time we go to visit you. Yeah. Because um, I finally had a chance to watch it. Yeah. Of course, now Elise needs to see it. Uh, I'm good. <laughs> you don't want to see Sledgehammer Fright? How you about at least, at least listen to the music or watch the music. Yeah. Later. The music is actually really yeah, good. You might enjoy, you would the, enjoy music. the music. Yeah. 
Um, so, so that's something that we did together. Um, do we want to talk about the area of uh, uh, Area 88? Because we also oh, that. that's right, we did watch Area 88. I'm sorry, Elise, we finished Area 8 while you were gone. This is gonna be very brief yeah. because like I feel like our feelings on this were pretty much the same. Yeah. Which is God, that was a shitty ending. That was stupid. Like yeah. the first half is so much better. Like yeah. what the fuck? Cause I mean here's it was a lot treading over a lot of the same ground as the first half. Yeah. They introduced new characters. Like there's that guy that they got gets introduced to from like, like South, South Vietnam. Viet- yeah, the South Vietnamese pilot who doesn't do anything. Doesn't do anything. <laughs> oh no, he, he shoots. Threat- he shoots down a pilot that it eva- it like ejected. Ejected, yeah. And then like he gets shot down later on. It's just like what? <laughs> Sorry, did I miss something? Um, but Are then, but then like he he like I'm gonna spoil the end of this movie because it's like fucking terrible. Yeah, because he goes back to the fucking war. He 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 escapes. It's like he's able to get out. Three goddamn hours. The civil of this war guy being like the oh. civil war is over. He gets like the go ahead to leave. He's like served his time. He goes to France. He's in Paris. He's got money. He's got money. He, he can knows where place. she is. He's got the lady loves like address and phone number. She's in Paris too. They just don't end up connecting on the phone at the same time because they don't have cell no, phones. No, they do. They do at the end, but like for the first couple times, it's like ah, yeah, yeah. And then he gets into a fight yeah. with a bunch of like ruffians, and then he gets picked up by the police. And then he's like, I can't live a civilian life anymore. You've been there less than a day. And then he like decides to go back to the war that he's lost. Yeah. And, and but then, then we he, don't even see what happens. The last shot is but him But, like, flying. he picks up the phone. He does talk to her. And then she's like, where are you? We'll get you. But that's not even the worst part of it. The worst part of it is that she has been working her ass off to try to get him back the whole movie. To the point where she is about to sleep with the evil asshole who got him in there in the first place. Because he says that if she does... He'll give her the money to pay for his return. And she's about to do it. And then he gets picked up by the police. And so it's like, but, but does she get our happy ending? No, yeah. no, he has to go and vanish into a sea of credits. Yeah. It's like the fuck. It's completely pointless. <sighs> it is completely pointless. So watch the first half of area 88 for the laughs and don't watch the rest. It's not worth it. So talking about disappointing endings, Elise, do you want to talk about Game of Thrones? There, there is one. Oh, you have sorry, one sorry. Not, not to. That was a gold transition, Alex. That was Alex. a great transition, Alex. Uh. Alex, no. Bad Alex. No, what, put, what do you want to talk about? Put down the cue card. What do you want to talk put about? Put down the agenda um, and accept that. Okay, fine. What do you want to talk about? I, I want to talk about this game I've been playing called The Return of the Oberdin. I've heard of that. You've heard of that. It's on your it's on your Steam wish list. Um, <laughs> sorry, Elise. I oh okay. So uh, you what have you heard about this? I don't remember. You I don't remember, remember I read about it. I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting. I put it on my Steam wish list. Okay, so the Return of the Upper Din is uh, okay. So it's like the Napoleonic War, and this ship, this like merchant ship, has returned without a crew like it went missing a few years ago and it's shown up again and there it's completely abandoned there's nobody on it and so you are a, like an insurance adjuster or something that has been tasked with going on the ship right. to discover yeah. what happened and you have two things you're given a book that's like a journal that has like a bunch of places to write some things and you're given information about who was on the the ship so the crew and the passengers what their names were what their you know nationality was what their occupation was and all that. Their occupation? Their occupation. 
So like like cap- Streets of Fire. <laughs> Let's go back to talk about that. No, no. So so you have that. You have like a, a a print that has like all their faces. Like there there was apparently an artist that was with them that like drew portraits of like sea life at sea and things like that. And so mm-hmm. you have like a, this, but you don't know who is who. Uh-huh. Um, and then you have a bunch of sheets of blank paper that gets filled in over the course of the game. And at the end, you've got like a, a list of terms so that if you're not familiar with, you know, 19th, early 19th century naval history, like you know, not? Yeah, I know, uh, then you know what's going on. So the first thing is you're given that and then you're also given a device called a momentum mori or momentum morum mm-hmm. or uh, something like that, uh, which is essentially a stopwatch that you find a corpse, you find a body. And you click the stopwatch, and what happens is it plays about five seconds of the audio of what's happening the five seconds before that person dies. And then you cut to you are in, like, a frozen scene of the person's death. So you can walk around the ship, and you can see the events that happened at the exact moment that person died. And the goal of the game is basically to try to figure out who every person is how they died, and who killed them, or what killed them. And so the first thing is you you see a body on the deck, and you push the button, and you hear some audio, and then you see this person is being shot by another person who they're referring to as the captain. Mm-hmm. And so you can fill out, okay, the captain shot this person at you know this place with a gun. And then you kind of go on, and then you move in, and you find another body, and so on. At some points, you can find a body within the frozen scene, and then, like, you incept back in time even further to when that person died. And the goal of the game is to try to figure out the entire crew. Like, name the entire crew, how they died, and what killed them. So it's like, Clue meets spooky weirdness meets, like, a little bit of Phoenix Wright. Kind of. And um, it's something where there's a lot of, like... Like, I don't know for certain now, but I'm going to put, like, a pin in that and kind of yeah. pick it up later. And there's a lot of things where, like, like, the story is really good. I didn't, I haven't finished it entirely, but I've gotten through the whole story. But basically, I need to kind of go back to different scenes to try to figure out now that old information, new information is discovered, kind of relive that old information to see if it fits and try to put thing, people in place. One of the things, like, I'm not going to spoil any of the scenes because I actually think you should play it. Yeah, you know, Maybe yeah. when you have more time. Um but one of the things I remember is there's at one point where you end up, like, like you end up incepting back in time, and you are in, like, the rigging, and you see a bunch of people in the rigging, uh, and, like, one person is, like, falling or something like that or whatever. But, like, you know from the list that anyone who's listed as a topsman is who is allowed in the rigging. Yeah. So it's like, well, I don't know who these people's names are, but I know they're all topsmen. So I'm yeah. going to mark them down as all topsmen. And then that's like in the record. So then you can go back later and find out, well, which topsman was it and who mm-hmm. was who. So it's like that kind of like put a pin in it for later kind of thing is something that I was really you know, enjoying. Um, and it's got like, like a really solid story and like a mystery to find out what's happened. And it said, because the way it kind of works is you find the person that died last, like you're going back in time to kind of figure out. And then like you get to the end and you're like, Oh, this is the first person that died. It was some stowaway that was in like a crate and we found the crate in the, the hull and there's still the body in there. Cause no one's actually looked in, there. <laughs> but the thing find it. So anyway, but yeah, like, there's like little stuff like that. It's really cool. Um, and I would definitely recommend it if that's kind of like your, your murder mystery kind of detectiving yeah. thing that you like to do. That does sound interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. So speaking, anyway. of, speaking of putting a pin in something and waiting till later <laughs> to try to figure it out. <laughs> nope. We blew our one good transition that we did this 
this I think episode. that's good. I think that's good. That's because that's a reference right. to how they wrote the season, right? Yeah. They're like, um, oh yeah, we'll go back and figure this out later. And then they never and did. And then they never did. So if you listen to our last oh. episode all the way through, you heard some spoilers that uh, Nick was not party to. <laughs> that uh. is true. And I had some feelings. I had a lot of feelings about uh, Game of Thrones mm-hmm. episodes. And But now three. Nick doesn't care about spoilers. And now, now I don't care about spoilers purely because I don't think the rest of the world cares about spoilers now either. Yeah. Except for, I think Meghan McCain got booed on The View for <laughs> spoiling things like the day after, but... <laughs> Should, that might partially gotten... that might largely be because it's, it's Megan McCain. McCain. Um I I don't even know. I don't know. We're at what we're um, at we're over an hour. Yeah. What what do I even say at this point? Huh? Everything. You huh? have you have another you half know, hour. Just, uh... You have a whole half hour to yourself Ugh. to talk about cuz you're the only one among us that's seen this. That's true. And now it's like but there's no there's going to be no witty banter. There's going to be no stintling like like interesting tintillating conversation. All right. So all right. All right. All right. So you let's know, let's start I, it here. Elise, Elise, start? who won the Game of Thrones? Titillating, titillating. <laughs> who won the Game of Thrones? Oh, Bran won Game of Thrones. Okay. Bran won the game. The Game of Thrones, it's how you win or you die, yeah. and, and Bran fucking won. Sometimes the only way, way to win is not to play. Yeah. Bran Which the bro- kind of Bran the Broken did. I love how they kept calling him Bran the Broken. Like, like this is not offensive at all. Bran the Broken! And I think my favorite meme that has come out of that has just been like all these pictures of Sansa are like nobody Sansa <laughs> his dick don't work because <laughs> she brings that up she brings that up Tyrion is like Tyrion's like Bran should be our leader Bran should be our king and like <laughs> nobody says anything and then Sansa's like he can't father any children. His dick don't work. And you're just like, thank you for that, Sansa. You're my favorite character, but please shut up, sweetie. And um, I know. And then like Tyrion has the great retort to that, which is, you know, well, you know, as you, you know, better than anybody that sons of Kings can be cruel. And he was like, and that's why it's perfect. And it is actually like, so like for a brief moment, Sam is like, what if we had democracy? And everybody laughs. So instead, uh, they go the, for like a Polish kind of elected monarchy kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, they go. Yeah, they go elected monarchy, which I think is like more reasonable. Um, it is like breaking the wheel that Danny had had prophesized, um, just not in the way that you expect. Um, no, like I don't know. I was talking to a care, like I was talking to a coworker. I actually had three separate conversations. Of the, I did not get any work done today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and instead, had like three separate conversations over the course of the workday, where I was just like, "So, what do you think of the Game of Thrones finale?" And like, I don't know. I think I think I'm in the minority, but like, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like everybody's character arts were summed up very well. Um, Danny. Ugh, so like Danny goes crazy and kills everybody. Um, which everybody was like, I never saw this coming. And it's like, yeah, but like in season two, she literally says, I will take what is mine with fire and blood. And and you're like, yeah, at the time you're like, yeah, go Danny, you go girl, you do what you want. And then you're like, oh my god, I thought that was a metaphor. <laughs> and it's like, no, 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 that was not a metaphor. Oh my god, she is burninating the countryside. I'm like, I'm like loving all the people that have been like, Danny is Hillary Clinton. Yeah. And then oh it's god. like, oh, but then look at the foreign policy of the yeah. Clinton. Yeah, no. But then, then she was Hillary Clinton. Then she was she Hillary. Was right. Clinton. It was correct. I, I feel like that meme that it's like what. What America's foreign policy, what America thinks its foreign policy is versus what it actually is, is yeah, very telling. That was it's very, good. very yeah. spot on. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, and she, but it's like, I, I, and Tyrion, and it's, it, so it's really interesting because, so they do the heel turn moment in episode five, which traditionally is when Game of Thrones does a heel turn moment, is in the Pent Ultimate episode. I was gonna, to but, the it, but it's the la- next to last ep- episode. That That is probably what I think a lot of people are upset about. Is the fact, but that's, that's usually what they do. Is in the penultimate episode, is when the big twist of the season happens, and so I think to keep with that pattern, that's why they did it then. I'm not agreeing with it. There are a lot of things I, that I, I disagree love. I love with, that you can kind of predict like, the 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 surprise twist based yeah. off of a, a, a yeah fucking and, pattern. And that's like you know like one of my coworkers was talking about that too, especially in like episode three, when did I tell you how the Night King. He doesn't care. No spoilers. I've heard that the night. Well, it doesn't matter because I'm a fan of the books, and the Night King's not a fucking character. Fair. Okay. <laughs> so Arya kills the Night King. Yeah. Uh, and one of my coworkers is like, "Yeah, I called that like 30 minutes in," and I was like, "Yeah, no, that's fair." And he's like, "I felt like I called that in like like 30 minutes into the episode," and I was like, "That's fair." And um, but yeah, like no, they always they always do the big twist of the season in the penultimate episode, and um, I. Th- the, what, it is it is well seated in the Danny's turn is well seated in the seasons that follow the books. Yeah. And then in season seven, in order to like try to not give the game away, they they like try to like play they up. try to play up like how much of a hero she is. Yeah. And um they try to play up how much of a hero she is. And and you know it's it's very telling because they start telling things rather than showing you things. They start saying, "Oh, she's such a wonderful leader. Oh, I would die for her. She's my queen." They say these things, but they don't show it. You know what I mean? They don't show her being a good person. They don't show her um, really having compassion for the people around her. And instead, they start to show her like, "Oh, you're not going to bend the knee. I'm going to kill you with dragon fire." Um, you might have betrayed Lee. Like, fuck you. Gonna kill you with dragon fire. And so, like, it is, it is a, I think it's, I would argue that it's a slower descent than people think, um, into madness. And, you know, some people are saying that it's misogynist and it's sexist. Women can have descents into madness, too. Yeah. Um, I think the thing is, is like, oh, like, but it's not that she's a crazy bitch. Like, her character arc is on the level of like King Lear. Yeah. Like it is Shakespearean. She's crazy on the same level that her father and brother was yeah. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like so I don't I don't think it's misogynist. I think the guys that wrote the fucking shit is misogynist right. because they haven't had a woman director on that show since twenty thirteen. It is twenty fucking nineteen, because this show's been going on for almost a decade at this point. But like, you know, I think they're sexist for that reasons. They haven't had a woman writer write one of the be credited as the main author for one of these episodes in fucking years. Like they like the the, the male carry. Yeah. The rape side. They added in rapes that did not happen in the in the books and then imply that certain characters are better people because they were raped. Like like no, no, no. Like there there are there are enough arguments for these dirtbags being dirtbag misogynists who hate women that you don't have to say, you don't have to point to the stuff that happened with Danny. Cause I think that that was like pretty valid writing. And I think a lot of it comes from George R. R. Martin. I don't, I, I don't think any of it comes from them. 
And so I think which which what were you saying? I'm sorry, I missed it. So I was saying that like there are there are enough things to point to in this show that the showrunners are like dirtbag misogynists who hate women. Mm -hmm. That I think it's wrong to tack on Danny's story arc to that argument Uh because I don't think it's that. I think it's a Shakespearean. Okay, okay. You know, I think it's a Shakespearean tragedy, and I think that George R. R. Martin is the one who created the, the, the Danny's twist. story arc. Okay. I think he's the I one that created the, that. the story arc. I don't, and the twist. I don't think it was, I don't, I don't think it's it was not, those two jackoffs. So it's not that it was a bad twist. It was that it was poorly implemented. Yeah. It's, I don't, yeah, exactly. I think it was, it was a poorly implemented. I think they spent too much time on some things and not enough time on others. And although I thought everybody's character arcs were like wrapped up pretty well. Yeah. Um, I think they could have spent, like, you get a whole scene of, like, Tyrion rearranging chairs that just kind of goes on too long that I thought was, like, that time could have been better spent other places. Does or, he sweep um, the floor for five minutes? Because no, that's he brilliant. doesn't. <laughs> I know, right? Like, that's art. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, what else. But, like, yeah, like, um, I, felt, I felt like it was... The episode four is incredibly forgettable episode four is incredibly forgettable episode five is like good um twist and all and then episode six i thought i thought it ended really strongly um i can't remember i cannot for the life of you life of me tell you what happens in episodes one and two except for cersei runs around being like where are my elephants which is pretty great. She's like, where are my elephants? What? She, she like buys a bunch of cell swords and she was promised elephants as part of that deal. And the elephants did not come. And I'm like, you know what, Cersei, I've been there. <laughs> All right. The other night I ordered Do- DoorDash and my drinks did not come with my order. And I was fucking pissed. You so, didn't, you you know, didn't take, don't take it out of your DoorDasher though. No, I'm going to go to the golden company and be like, where are my elephants, bitch? Anyway. <laughs> Um, or in this case, Taco Bell, maybe. I don't know. But um, <laughs> Go up to Taco Bell and ask for your elephants. Where are my elephants? <laughs> Where are my drinks? Like, finish off this, this <laughs> bottle that you have here and be like... <laughs> anyway. They will pay. Uh, what, else, what else do you want to know? What else do you want to know? Bran? Uh, what happened to the... So, I understand the North Pole to Scotland. Yeah, North Pole to Scotland. So, like, I got into kind of an argument with one of my coworkers about this. Um, because I'm, I am a big Sansa fan and she's like, nah, Sansa's going to go crazy. Sansa's going to go evil. Like, and I'm like, no, she's a survivalist. I feel like she's got a strong moral center. Like the only thing like Sansa has cared about two things fairly consistently through the entire, um, for the entire show, which is surviving and the North. And that is, that is her moral center Every decision that she makes um, is for the benefit of those two things. And so um, in the end, she ends up becoming Queen of the North. Um, she ends up becoming Queen of the North. She asks, so Bran's her brother. She says, like, Bran, like, the North needs to be independent. Like, they have bent the knee to too many people. They've lost too many people. We have lost too much. Like, just let us go back to being an independent country. And Bran is like, yeah, sure, I don't care. And so, because um, Bran doesn't really care about anything. And <laughs> except for, like, warging and spying on dragons. But um, 
so so she ends up being queen of the north and i don't think she's gonna fuck that up like i think she's gonna be like a good ruler because like that is her moral center is like she's gonna fucking survive and she's gonna protect the north with everything she's got and that's why like you know and just every decision that she makes i i don't think she's gonna become evil i don't think she's gonna become a corrupt I, I think very, I feel very strongly that like the North is in good hands when it's with her. Um, yeah. I don't know. So like, I think a lot of this season could have been reallocated in different ways. I think if Danny's death had been moved up an episode and we had more time to deal with the fallout, I think that would have been better. Mm. Um, I think you could have chopped episode three and half and that would have been fine. This is so this is just my curiosity. Yeah. Um, so I know Daenerys like has started by conquering Essos or most yeah. of it on her way to get to Westeros. What happened to her empire in Wessos in Essos? Fuck if I know. Okay. And fuck if the writers know. Like that's the thing, is like yeah. you don't you don't know. I guess she kind of sets up a government. And then pieces out at the end of season six. Okay. But it's like nobody knows and nobody cares. Like that's there's a lot of and that that is frustrating. There are a lot of loose ends that just did not get tied up. Mm-hmm. And that should have been. Like there's the girl that helps Bran over the wall and she disappears and like never heard from again. You know, like there's a lot, there's just a lot. There's a lot more they could have done if they hadn't been so laser focused on tricking everybody into thinking that Danny was the hero and then having that, if, if, if their end game hadn't been the he- Danny's heel turn, which I, I think is more obvious than people were, yeah. were led to believe then the whole series, then the whole season would have been stronger. I mean, yeah. Like you pointed out uh, when we were talking before we recorded about like, you know, they literally say several times that when it comes to uh, the Targaryens, yeah. it's like the gods flip a coin. The gods flip a coin and the world holds its breath. And they fucking say this, like, several times. It's in the books, and, like, too. So Elenia, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. come out. Like, when the last books come out, that that is how it ends up. Yeah. Cause, but I think it would probably be better. And again, like... And it's weird to me that there's, like... I, there's so many storylines... Yeah. That have got to not yeah. be in the... No, I've read these. Oh, you've read yeah, these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Not Alex just pay, post, uh, shared a shit post with me, but I'm like, no, 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 I've read those. Oh, okay. I've read those. Uh, there's got to be so many storylines that happen in the books that don't happen in the, in well, the show. They, they lift an entire story arc from another person and give it to Sansa. Yeah. And there's like whole characters who are cut out. Yeah. Like, Lady Stoneheart. Yeah, like no, like not, she's not in the not thing? in the not in the thing at all, uh, not in the show at all, and uh, uh, not in Cold Hands. Is Cold Hands in the show? Nope. Yep, no Cold Hands. Nope. Um, cold Hands, Luke, and <laughs> apparently, like Doran is really big in the books, Doran's and it's like huge in the books. You don't even go there. What you ju- like the show doesn't even go to Doran. That's fucking insane. Yeah, because like some of the best parts of like book four is kind of boring. But the best parts of book four are the things that happen in Dorne. Yeah, no, you never, like, the closest you get to Dorne is you are on a ship with Jamie and Cersei's kid. 
and you go from the you're you start on the ship going to King's Landing. What about and that is oh no 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 that's not true. We get one whole scene in Dorne. There like, is like one whole scene in Dorne, and that is it. You know that um like you know that um Brienne like fucking eats it in the books, right? Like, she dies in the books. She dies like way early in the books. Yeah, no, she survives to the end in the yeah. in the show. She survives to the end. She gets she, a happy ending. She may she may come back in the books. I don't know because the last time we see her, I think, is in the end of book four, when she's just like she's fucking hanged by a character who does not exist in the yeah. TV show, <laughs> and it's like maybe she survived it. I don't know, but so know. there, yeah, and I think a lot of it too is driven. A lot of it, too, was driven by the fans. Like, everybody wanted, like, even before the two characters met on screen, everybody wanted Danny and John to get together because there was an entertainment weekly. They did a photo shoot, and they did a photo shoot with everybody, like, dressed in their costumes. And then everybody was like, oh, my God. And it was the first time you ever saw Danny and John together was actually for this entertainment weekly photo shoot. So everyone became shippers. Yeah, everybody shipped because of that, because I, of those photos. And so, and I'm like, maybe there were some book fans that shipped I them before. Think, well, I also think it's, like, it's not so much shipping as just like, I mean, where I saw the series going is that like, oh, I mean, as I read, when I read the first book, I figured out who John actually yeah. was. And so I'm like, okay, well, I mean, that was my, that was my in-head happy ending for the series yeah it was that they would that, get married would, that they would get married and rule together yeah and that you know she wouldn't go crazy i didn't think that was likely but i'm like that's like the mega happy ending version <laughs> yeah, yeah, of, yeah. of game of thrones what does happen to john i don't want to know what happens to john because i have okay like, that, that's like one of the things that i actually do care if i get spoiled on that. Okay. Oh, okay i will not say i will not say what happens to john that's the 17th thing. john john is yeah. like one of the one of the characters that I'm like, I really am interested. Like him and Tyrion are the ones that I'm invested in their story arcs. And I was pretty sure I knew where Tyrion's was going to end up. And so yeah. I just wanted confirmation. Yeah. I don't know if John's not King. I have no idea. Or, and um, the only other, the only things that I thought would have been possible for him was that either ends up being King or ends up being Lord of Winterfell. And, and if he's neither of those things that I don't want to know what they have fair. in mind, what they have in store for him. Fair. Yeah. Um, it's it's really interesting because it's like yeah you have the mega happy ending that was never gonna fucking happen no. where John and John and Danny get married and rule together and then they kiss and then they kiss right <laughs> and it's so much incest yeah so much fucking incest but I mean like again and it, there's a lot of it in the series and it's like well they're both Targaryens so well whatever. but Varys points out you know and Varys points this out in the show he's like because they bring that up they yeah. bring up that exact idea and Varys is like. Yeah, but he grew up in Winterfell, and yeah. how many Winterfell kids marry their aunt, mm-hmm. and and that's kind of and that's when that you know that that ending is not going to happen, and so there is right, and then there was like there's all the way to that, and then the bleakest fan theory was that the Night King just takes over Westeros, like they can't defeat him, he takes over Westeros, or that well, they're but, too busy in yeah. fighting. Climate change that, happens, like, and there's nothing we can do about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that that happens, and then. It, so really, like, if those were kind of the two extremes that people were going into this season with, I would say that it ends up on the happier side than the bleaker side. I think, like, the characters who have a really strong moral center get happy endings, and the characters who don't get their just desserts. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, 
I, I felt like it's, it's not rewarded in the way, but then it's kind of nice. It's kind of nice that like the reward isn't just heteronormative marriage and babies, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. there are, there are other rewards like power. That, yeah. Like, <laughs> like power. I'm just saying if I could trade my marriage to Nick for a queendom, I think I'd do it. I love you. You could stay on as like a concubine or something. That's I'm fine. sure. Um, History will call me wife. <laughs> That's a Dune reference. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think I think it's also like the it's very telling. They, it's a very smartly. There are some things that the show really sucks at production wise. Sound mixing is fucking one of them, because it goes from like whispering really quietly like this to oh my god the the rains of Castamere is blowing down the house and there's like no in between, and so they really fucking suck at. Um, they really fucking suck at sound mixing, but the costume design is impeccable. And I think the dress that Sansa wears at the end, for me at least, says she's not going to go evil. She's not going to go crazy. She's not going to go power hungry and that everything's going to be okay in Winterfell. Is she wearing like a, like a dress suit? Like a... (laughs) No, no, no. She wears like a dress. It's a gray dress. And then the pattern on... It's very reminiscent of her mother. And then on the, on the sleeves is the pattern of the tree. Mm. And one thing that people have pointed out is that all through the seasons, um, Sansa copies whoever she's admiring at the time or whoever she thinks will, like, she should, al- she not who she thinks will protect her, but who she believes she should align herself with, with, in order to survive. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the series, she has her own unique look that is very Winterfell. It's got the patterns of the red tree that grows in the garden. And I think like, and her hairstyle is completely her own. Her crown is completely her own. And it's like, this is, this is her, this is what she was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, so I, I don't know. Like, I think you can read into a lot of details in the clothing because it's just that, at least in that regard, they're putting, like, it's kind of sad, but I feel like the costumer is, like, putting way more thought into this than the writers. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, whoever is doing the costume design is telling more of the story than the fucking writers are. Also, it's a woman, so suck it. Anyway, I'm sorry, girl power. Um... All right. So. I, know, I think that I think that wraps it up. I I was really satisfied. I get why people, I get why people are upset. I get if you're not a brand fan, you're probably pretty upset. I get if you're a big Danny fan, you're probably really upset. I don't think that it was a very strong season as the whole, but I think that the sixth episode was good. So that's that is my my hot take on Game of Thrones. All right. Well, thank you for your hot take and your uh, news. <laughs> All right. So, any last minute thing before we kind of call this an episode? I think that covers everything. All yeah. right. Well, thank you all for listening. Uh, my name is Alex. I'm Elise. And this has been some Nerds of the Podcast. Have a good night. Bye.